Welcome to Scale, sports, knowledge, and life. Let's learn, let's apply, and let's scale up. Welcome to Scale, Sports, Knowledge, and Life. Uh, this is episode four, and we have a special guest with us today. We have Miss Sierra Brown. Welcome to Scale, Sierra. Hey, thank you for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Thank you very much for uh, taking your time out and for joining us today. So if you don't mind, we'll kind of dive right in. Okay. Uh, so I kind of start off by just kind of saying, um, how are you feeling right now? When, like, you know, how are you doing mentally? Like, what's your mental space like right now? Just kind of kind of speak to that if you can. That is, that's a heavy question. Um, if you would have asked me, you know, six months ago, I, I would not have been able to give a positive response. Um, you know, if any of you guys know me, you know that it's been a little over a year since uh, my brother was murdered. Um, so navigating grief mentally has like been tough, but I'm kind of moving on to the other side of it and feeling a, a, a lot better than I did a year and a half ago when it happened. So I'm actually in a really good space. That's good. That's good. And um, yeah, um, thanks for, you know, opening up and uh, sharing that. That's, that's, you know, I can only imagine, you know, yeah. how, how you were feeling and, you know, what you went through, but I'm glad you were making over that, that other side, because it's, it's never easy to, you know, lose anyone close to, yeah. especially someone that close um, sibling. So just kind of dive, dive right in. So if you can kind of just take us, take us through your, your journey prior to getting to high school of like your, your, your sports journey prior to going into high school and kind of talk about maybe the sports you played and the position, things of that nature. Um, so I had for, for, for a girl, I had a pretty unique experience. Um, I, um, grew up in a very serious program. So I think that a lot of girls get like they're, you know, just the, the, one of the teachers is the coach, like, no, from like age, from elementary school you're you're trained like my dad was having to do push-ups like at a very very young age okay so um I started playing in elementary school it was like my entire life at a very young age um and I got pretty serious um starting in middle school um that's whenever it's like oh the high school you know it's coming we had one of the best coaches in the east coast as a high school coach um so he was like he literally won like the coach of the year for the coast um one of the years wow. that I was in high school um and I think we still not my team but a team he coached after me they have the um national record for most consecutive wins so I come from like a very 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 serious program however what a lot of people probably don't know is I really wasn't that good until I got to high school so I was like pretty awkward I was always really athletic but I was like really insecure so I would just like freak out like once I got in the game my um, coach used to call me like a practice player um, so I really didn't get good until I was probably going into my junior year like those first two years I still was like JV all-star um <laughs> But I worked really hard those years, like those summers, I'm talking like you saw me like dribbling everywhere I went, like I was like convinced that like I was going to be good, but it really didn't pop off for me until I went into my junior year, even though I trained all that time, you know, but it really didn't work out for me until I was going into my junior year. Okay, okay. So even at elementary school, when you started, when your dad had you training, was it, 
always basketball or were you playing yes. we dabbled into other sports and like also just just to kind of reference um were you the um the oldest of of the uh, children or were you younger and then like how did that kind of compete with having a dad that was kind of like getting you guys into the into the sports so sometimes I forget that I have a very unique familial experience. I'm glad you asked that question because I'm the oldest um, of three other girls that played. And then I had one brother that played. All, all four of us girls played college basketball. So that was built in pressure there. My little sister, who's right, I'm the oldest. My little sister, who's right below me, she grew taller than me in the eighth grade. So you can only imagine like <laughs> what that was like. So it was very competitive. So every team that we were on at any given time, there was two sisters on the team all throughout school. Um, sometimes it was awesome, but sometimes it was also like hard. Um, but my dad right. was very strict. Um, you know, I do not plan to be as strict on my kids as my dad was on us. Um, but it was from very, the very beginning. It was like a very, very serious thing. It was always the plan. Um, it was from a very young age. It was, it was, this is how you get to college. So whether you enjoy it or not, you are tall, you are athletic. This is what we are doing. Like, let's go. Right, right. Okay, thanks. Thanks for uh, sharing that. Definitely, definitely. So, um, kind of going into your high school year. So, you talked about the, the summers of like your freshman and sophomore year. You really putting in work, working on your technical skills. So, kind of take us through your journey as a student athlete. You know, also your academics, coupled with you know your your athletics throughout your um, high school journey. Um, throughout high school, it wasn't it wasn't tough. Like. Um, I, I can say that I was also on a team of other people who like took school seriously. I think a lot of times, you know, mm -hmm. student athletes get a rep of like not being smart, not caring about their grades, but our coach really didn't play that. Um, like yeah. we hardly had any situations where somebody wasn't eligible, um, because our coach was like, honest like if it was if he even thought that somebody was their grades were even slipping like he was honest like I said I had a very tough dad my coach was even harder and stricter than my dad so it wasn't too difficult yeah. um for me you know between having a tough head coach and a tough dad I really didn't have the opportunity <laughs> um you know not to excel if that makes sense right 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 yeah that certainly makes sense so while you were in high school, did you experience any like injuries or anything that may have caused any delay or missing of games? No, I was very blessed. Even though our friend Katana, I got to witness her ACL tear and that was very traumatizing to me. I was terrified after that, but by the grace of God, I never had any injuries that took me out. I have um, pretty bad scoliosis in my back. So uh -huh. Um, I think my junior year, it started to really bother me as I started like grow bigger and I started to play more, um, it would like flare up. So there was a point where the physical therapist was like, I think you might need to go ahead and get surgery, if that makes sense. But um, I was like, I already have scholarship offers at this point. So that's not an option. So we played through it. I did a lot of physical therapy. Um, and in college, it bothered me even more. Um, but we worked through it. That was about the only thing. But I don't think I ever really had to miss games. Nothing crazy. Okay, good, good. Yeah, I mean, in that's always. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's um, certainly great. So 
did you while you're in, in high school did you work at all like were you working like in the summers or even during the school year or was it strictly like hey you're, you're here to go to school and to you know play basketball um okay so I did work a little bit okay <laughs> especially once I became a junior because my dad was like if you want a cell phone because that's like when cell phones like came around he's like if you want one of those weird things like you're gonna have to pay for it um so I did like have a little waitressing job um in the summertime however um there was no downtime like like there was no like um summer off or anything like that I would like have to like go to work and then probably like travel two hours to a camp or something I would go through it to a million camps we used to have like these um skill trains we would go to that were an hour and a half away like we it, it was like very very serious I used to go to this camp every single summer that was two weeks long where we would train from like 7 a.m to 10 at night like I worked like but it was like in the middle of all that how I was yeah. able to do it I don't know <laughs> but yeah, yeah. That's what it was like for me no yeah that's amazing I mean just to have like your your father kind of push you and and know what you guys need in order to elevate to get to that college level to get that full ride which is what most most athletes in high school mm-hmm. strive for I would say most of them I mean some play just to play because they enjoy the sport but if you can get a scholarship why not so yeah. So did you play any AAU ball as well? Or was it just those camps, like exploded camps that your dad had you all kind of exposed to? So it was a combination between my dad and my high school coach. A lot of what we did was organized organized by my high school coach my dad definitely like supported it and he he was involved in in a lot of it my high school coach was not big on AAU ball um I personally don't think AAU basketball is as beneficial for female athletes as it is for male athletes um I think it's like a much bigger thing I think the way that we get recruited is different I think that um I think a lot of coaches recruit women's sports different um I think it's more popular now but back then uh we would have had to travel like super far to like be on a good like AAU team so we technically had one but we didn't take it super serious we were good like and we would like we would like travel to the Boo Williams tournament in Murder Beach every single year we would never win but we would at least make it to that um but I hated AAU basketball because my dad was my coach most of the time and I love my dad with all my heart, but like, um, he would like yell at me from the sidelines and I would be like, you are, you're coaching right now. Like I'm telling you, there was an incident where at the Williams tournament, I'm literally shooting free throws. And my dad is like yelling at me because I talk back, back to him. So <laughs> yeah, we played AAU, but it wasn't, it wasn't that big of a deal. Um, to us, especially being from West Virginia, um, like with everything that our head coach had us doing, it just really wasn't possible to travel to, you know, an hour and a half. My little sister did it though. My little uh-huh. sister, um, the one that's right beneath me, that's two years younger than me, she uh-huh. played on an AAU team in Charleston, which was an hour and a half from where we were from and uh-huh. made that happen. But made it work. Yeah. We didn't bother with it too much. I, I was the first, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So you mentioned something that I've never heard before. So you, you said AU ball. Well, back then, of course, things didn't change now. We evolved. Yeah. But you said back then, AU ball wasn't really popular for women's sports. Maybe male sports was big. I always thought AU ball was the way you are getting seen by coaches while, you know, it was off season and coaches are traveling. They want to see you. 
But if you can just kind of expound or kind of go a little deeper about what you mean, how female athletes are recruited different than male athletes back then. Yeah. And then I'm sure it's probably some things of similar as of you know today's day and age. I still don't, I think it might be a little bit better, but I still don't think it's that different. I think I think for female athletes, I think the budgets for programs are much smaller. Um, so there we have less coaches. We have less, you know, recruiters. Like I know some, you know, big male teams that literally have, you know, coaches who only do recruiting. Like, um, so there's just more money and there's more time to be able to do things like that. So I would literally go to an AAU tournament where there would be like both, you know, male and female, you know, teams and like <laughs> girls would play first and like the stands would be like you know there might be like 10 coaches or schools or whatever but then our games would end and like the whole entire gym would like pack out coaches um so I think that I think a lot of it has to do with budget I think a lot of it back then had to do with the fact that um I think a lot of us still didn't take it serious or, or play it. So it, I think it was probably not as important to coaches. Um, and I think because for, but for budget reasons, I think a lot of colleges, like they have networks. I think that they operate really close off of networks. Like my high school coach, he had like a network of coaches that like he stayed in like close contact with. And I think it's more of a word of mouth type thing compared to an exposure thing. And I think it does have a lot to do with money. Yeah. Yeah, thank you for sharing. I, I've never heard that. So that's a great point for our young female athletes out there who are listening that they can kind of navigate the, the best way to get recruited and to secure that scholarship, which kind of segues into my next question, which I kind of want to ask, um, how was your process with getting recruited, getting several offers? Because you did mention before mm-hmm. that you had offers. That's why you kind of delayed the certain yeah. said it's not, it's not time. If you caught me a couple years ago, maybe, mm-hmm. but now it's it's go time. So how did you secure that scholarship? What were the things you did? What tips would you give for young athletes now that are trying to get that, that scholarship, you know, by any means necessary? Um, I was really blessed because like I said, I had not only like a, a, a really good coach, um, like an awarded coach, but he was also very popular, if that makes sense. So he had mm-hmm. like a lot of connections and we also had a lot of colleges pretty close to our high school um and and we were good which obviously that helps so I think that what happens um I think there's two different answers here if you are out of school where you're on a good team like I was on a good team um I think that yes you are going to get a lot of exposure I think that you should communicate a lot with your coach I think you need to really let your coach know like hey like these are my aspirations one thing I've learned is like your coach might not be on the same page as you um so early on like letting your coach know like hey like you might not think that I'm good enough right now okay (laughs) but event like this is what I'm going to do so any connections you have any coaches that ask you about me like let them know you know so I think it's important to stay in good contact you know with your coach um if you're on a bad team and I hate to say bad team but if you are on a bad team AAU might be more beneficial for you you know what I'm saying like I had coaches come to my games but there were plenty of other teams that I know had really good players that coaches weren't coming to because you you weren't yeah. on a good team you weren't on a popular team um, so a you might be more helpful to you um and I, I'm personally like we're, we're we there's social media now so right. I, I personally think right. that like 
kids these days should leverage their platforms as best they can you know it's because I think that it's so it's so much easier to like build build up followings you know get people (laughs) to tie get people to send things like be your own cheerleader if if you have to because I'm telling you right now and you probably had this experience there were so many people who just walked on a lot of times or just tried out for the team that I'm like my high school like two man was definitely better than you but because they put themselves out there they were able to get on the team and eventually by the time we graduated they earned a scholarship and I think I think in a lot of situations if maybe somebody who was a similar player would have reached out would have sent tape whatever whatever I think that they probably you know could have secured a position on a team that had those type of spots um but for me um I think that my experience, um, it was easy, like I said, but mm-hmm. I think that um, for me, if I had to give any, any other solid advice, um, I think it would be to get to know your coach. I think a lot of people, the, the future coach, I think a lot of people make their decision based off of how many A's the school is, you know, how good the team is, whether you can get your, your Jersey number when you go, you know, you think about a lot of these, those types of things, obviously money is a, is a major factor. Um, however, like, I think it's really important that you make sure that like you mesh well um, with, with the head coach, with the, with his coach coaching style with the way that they play I think those are things that a lot of kids kind of overlook because for me I think a lot of kids um don't make it all the way through college because they don't take the time to make sure that they're a good fit for that program like me as an athlete I would not have been a good fit for every program because you know I was a small forward but I'm not a tall small forward I'm like a fast small forward um so I really would not work in every type of program if you if you're not gonna let me get out and run around and kind of do what I want and freestyle a lot I'm not gonna work if you have to run a play like every single possession if you're that type of team I'm not your girl Um, I think really getting to know what type of program it is realizing that it's your choice I think a lot of times we think like oh we'll take whatever we can get like no it's your choice make sure you're a good fit for the team make sure you like the area and and make it really make sure you like the coach for me I I went to Concord and a lot of people think like oh well that's close to where you're from that must be why you went it's like no Concord had an assistant coach who um, coach Brooks they came to so many of my games and I got to sit with her. I got to ask questions. My dad, she got to be around my family and I adored her. And I knew that if I went there, I would be supported. If coach Brooks did not exist and I did not commit to like nurturing and like figuring out that relationship, I wouldn't have went there. That was like the cherry on top. And I think that because we rush decisions, we don't really give ourselves an opportunity to figure out like, is this place and these people like is it, is it going to be a place that supports my well-being because that's 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 important too it ain't just very, about the money. very very i mean you hit it right on the right on the head um that's very important make sure that it's, it's a good fit not just going because they're throwing you some money or mm-hmm. a scholarship and you get there you're sitting the bench or like you said you don't finish you know you yeah. go through year one year two coach our scholarship is being pulled you're like what you know they either come back home where you're from or try to, you know, stumble through and finish taking out loans when you thought you were going to get a full ride. Yeah. So, yeah. So 
So I just wanted to talk, ask a little more about Coach Brooks. So how yeah. early was Coach Brooks in Concord recruit? Like, was it sophomore, junior year, senior year? Junior that year. Coming around? Junior, junior year, okay. Year. Um, and actually, the first contact happened my junior year, um, but I really got to spend a lot of time with her my senior year. I, I was the person who waited to like the last second to make a decision. Um, but literally, I think my senior year, they probably came to five, six of my games. It wasn't just, yeah, I know. And like, by the time it was time for me to make my decision, I'm like, how can I not choose y'all? Y'all are basically part of my family at this point, <laughs> you know, but I knew that she would protect me. I knew that she had my best interests at heart. And my dad, who was about to send off his oldest baby away for the first time, you know, he also knew he had somebody that would take care of her. And those things are important because no matter how far away you go from home, like that's hard. It's hard to go off by yourself for the first time. And we both went to schools that were in, you know, rural areas. Okay. There was nothing around our school. So I saw a lot of people who came from big cities because they got scholarships, but they come, they don't have any support. They haven't built any connections with the coaches. They don't know how to like live or sit still in that area and they leave. And it's just like, it's not worth it. What is, what is a full scholarship do for you? Like if you quit after the first year. So I think I would just like to see people, take a risk more and go somewhere where you actually want to go instead of like pinching pennies. Because right. I mean, if you quit, what, what does it matter? Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. That's a great point. So what I want to ask, I don't think you may have touched on it. You say you were a, a power forward, but not tall. So how tall are you? How tall are you? I'm 5'10". I'm 5'10". Five ten. Five five ten. I'm, I'm a very athletic 5'10". You feel me? <laughs> not so much anymore, but back in the day. I was a, yeah. an athletic 5'10". I never, yes. I hardly was ever taller than the person I guarded, but I was always faster. Faster. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, and also, so is it Concord University or is it, it's Concord University, right? Yeah, it's Concord okay. University. Yeah. Okay. And were, were they NCAA? Were they NAIA? We're um, NCAA Division Two. Division Two. Okay. And so while you were, you know, junior, senior year, did you get any other, like, like, you know, interest, letters of interest or like real like, hey, we want you from other schools, whether it was other D2, D1s, NAIA. Um, and then and then talk about how you're like, you weed them out like, hey, you guys are great. I don't know. Oh, and also, did you go to any college visits? Like, did you actually go to an official visit at Concord that you go see the campus um, and kind of talk through that if you if you will? So I definitely had a lot of other offers in the conference. So I had several other Division II offers in the Weaviac. It's not called the Weaviac anymore. I forget. It's called something else. Um, but um, the two, like, biggest, like, the battle, like, was between Concord and West Virginia State. Now, West Virginia State was interesting because it was, like, in a city. I never lived in a, it, a city, you know what I'm saying? You know, I never had done that before, and um, I liked that it was, you know, predominantly Black. West Virginia State is historically Black college, isn't it? I think. I could be, mis- I could be mispe- misspeaking, but I think it might be HBCU. I'm not, I'm not sure. I, I I'm not sure. Don't quote me on that, but I think it might be. Um, so those were like the two, the two battles. There was a period of time 
where I did have interest from a division one school. Um, and that was really troubling for me. However, I had this really hard conversation with my coach. Um, and this was like the first time that I was, I was humbled, but as all the different letters started to come in and I had gotten a couple um, letters for track as well, because I also ran track. Um, mm-hmm. But he like sat me down and he was like, Sierra, I've received, like he had all this big giant handfuls of mail. He's mm-hmm. like, I've received all of this mail for you, for, for you. Okay. Now, most of these are division two offers. There is one division. There is, you know, there is one division one person that's interested here. However, you will not play your first year if you go there, period. You're not tall enough, Sierra. And I was like, never had crossed my mind before he said that. Now, he, he definitely could have said it in a nice way, but he was like, you're, you're <laughs> he was like, you're just not, you're, you're not tall enough, Sierra. You're just not. And mm-hmm. I could have probably went. And I, and I'm a hard worker. Okay. I'm an outwork whoever, you know, I don't, I think I went through my whole college career and was like first in sprints and practice, like beating the guards, you know what I'm saying? But like the experience that I had at Concord was a match. I got to start playing immediately. Like Mm -hmm. I got to start some of my freshman games. Um, I think you know, he said it in a bad way, but he knew me and he knew that like what I like to do is his play. And I didn't care as much about the division one. Th- I never cared about it until it was presented to me. So he was just right. like, girl, you want to play? Yeah. Girl, you want to play? Right. Right. Um, so right, it was a pretty right. easy decision for me, honestly, because I went, I waited until I like had narrowed it down a bit before I scheduled any official visits. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I scheduled an official visit with Concord and I scheduled an official visit with West Virginia state. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I scheduled them like back to back. Like I think the West Virginia state one was like a day later. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went to Concord and I thought it was cool. I got to go to a boys basketball game, like in, in a girls basketball game. I got to like meet people. Um, and then I met my friend, Detroit that's not his Mm -hmm. real name but my friend Detroit Uh and um he like had this whole whole conversation with me was just like telling me about how great it was and he was black Mm -hmm. and that made a huge difference for me because I went to a predominantly white school like I'm saying 97 percent white people like in high school in high school in high Mm -hmm. school so I think for me um there, that's complex. That creates a lot of different issues to, in my, in my opinion, I'm right. not ever really growing up around black people. The only black people you really know are your family. So I was kind of nervous going into college, knowing that I was going to be around more black people. And that's just to be honest, because, um, I don't fit I, in my mind at the age of 18, I didn't fit any of those stereotypes. I had yeah. like very diverse interests. Okay. I like, <laughs> I like country music and yeah. like lots of different things. So I was kind of insecure. It's like, oh my gosh, like I'm not going to fit in, but mm-hmm. I think going to that game and meeting Detroit, he was on the football team and having that conversation with him and him being so welcoming and nice and like telling me, telling me about everything uh-huh. to be, that, that conversation with him was probably like the cherry on top. I already yeah. trusted the coaches. Mm-hmm. I already felt good about that. Now, even though Concord was still very white. Okay. <laughs> um, but it was still going to be more, more, more of a black community than I ever had before. So I think yeah. that conversation for me was like, I think this is my place. Like I think right. this is my place. Um, so I had that. I had that conversation with him. I got to talk to a few people, mm-hmm. and um, 
basically after that I called um West Virginia State and I was like I'm not You're coming not I'm not going to go. I didn't go. I was like, I'm not coming. I'm signing with Concord. I'm sorry. Um, there was a girl too named Sarah Tuggle who played uh-huh. like on like my rivals team mm-hmm. um, that committed to Concord, uh, maybe even in that same week or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that also kind of influenced my decision too. Cause I was like us being on the same team, like that would be fire. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was so it was the only official visit that I ever went on. And I just had back then I wasn't as you know spiritual as I am now. I, mm-hmm. I didn't get saved until I was like 21. Um, mm-hmm. but looking back on it, I had like a very intuitive spiritual feeling about mm-hmm. it. Like if I could go back in time, I would say God was just like scared, let's not waste any more time, sis. Like oh, let's go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But yeah, so no, that was the only visit I went on, and the rest was history. So it's perfect, perfect. Now I want to kind of segue into your time at Concord. So, yes. so kind of talk to us about your journey. You know, you said you started some freshman year, mm-hmm. some games your freshman year, going to your sophomore year. Did you become mm-hmm. like that go-to or that player that you thought that you would grow it, grow and become? So I um I got to start, I got to go into the very first game really quickly. I did not start that first game, but I got to go like right in and I like bald. Okay. Like I did, I did good. Okay. And unfortunately though, at one point during the game, I got tied up with like a six foot two girl were fighting over the ball and she like yanks it really fast and I fall backwards and my head like bounces off the ground. So I got a concussion like right out the gate. Like that's how I opened up a, my, a concussion. Okay. Game one. Game one. I got a concussion. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. After I played good. So yeah. I didn't get to come back until like after Thanksgiving break, I think it was. Ooh. So I had to miss like a yeah. couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still got to play a lot after that. I got to start some games. Um, and my sophomore year, I did not start all of the games, but I started some of them. We had a very good team, a very loaded team, and we had really good post play. Um, so even if I didn't start a game, I still played a, a lot, of, a whole lot of minutes. Um, so my, but my junior and senior year, I was go-to like you know averaging I think I actually it's been so long I can't even remember now I I think probably my my junior year I probably averaged you know 17 points a game and then my senior year I probably averaged like 21 points a game um and those are good numbers by the way thank you you. by the way thank you um but yeah isn't it crazy how long ago that was I didn't realize it was so I like try to use my memory um but it was good I had um I had never been on a team. Well, I think we all have that experience of going to college and being on a team where, where everybody was the best player at their school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we all experienced like that humbling moment. But <laughs> I had never been on a team with other post players, really. Katana was a post player, but Katana was really a swing. She she really, if she would have been on a different team that had post players, she would have never been a post player. Like right. that would have never happened. Um, right. So I had never really been on a team other than my sister, who was like a center like very true like post player because she was six foot one and a half uh-huh. um so it was an experience for me to like be on a team with like other good 
post players. Um, so our post play was always, always really good. And we had some um, really good, really good um, player, really good post mm-hmm. players. So I never felt any type of way about not being able to start every game or anything like that my first two years, because I'm like, listen, like, yeah. we are good. We are, we are good. Um, yeah. But I started every game after my, from my junior year and senior year. Senior. Okay. Okay. And then you mentioned the concussion. So I, I kind of want you to speak to that a little bit. Did you like miss any like games that you guys had travel? Like coach, okay, you're, you're still recovering or, or you're still rehabbing. Let's keep you here. Or did they still let you with the team and be with the team during that, that phase of your recovery from the concussion? So my, if you can recall. yeah, my concussion was really bad. Um, so I don't even really remember all of it. Like, I got to watch it on video, so I got to see it. But, like, I, like, bounce my head off the ground, and I immediately, like, jump up, and I'm, like, running around in circles, like, trying to figure out what I'm supposed to do. So I don't know if I'm on offense. I don't know if I'm on defense. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I'm just, like, looking around and just, like, running a circle. Um, so eventually, like, after a couple seconds, my coach is, like, looking like something's wrong, like something's yeah. wrong. So they take me out of the game, and the trainer starts asking me all these questions, like, what did you eat for breakfast today? Da-da-da-da. And, like, uh-huh. as she's asking me these questions, I'm, like, sitting here, like, I don't know I like have a full meltdown because I can't remember anything from the day or the day before um and I really never got (laughs) that memory back I I, you know Uh so I was honest about that I couldn't hide it I'm a very like transparent like facial expressions tell all type person so because I had memory loss, you know, you can't really fake your, your way out of that. I could have lied, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I probably missed like three or four games. And, and to be completely transparent, I, I did have to lie in the end to be able <laughs> to play again. <laughs> like they didn't, the, the concussion pro, um, protocols were not as serious as they are now. It was like, like back, like right now, like they have like computer tests and all these things that they have to do. Like, would they just ask us questions? So like, it was easy to like, get out of it. Yeah. But I remember, I, I think the thing I lied about was I would, she would make me ride a bike and she would like get my heart rate up. And if she would ask me if I got a headache and if I got mm-hmm. a headache, once my heart rate went up, then I wasn't going to be a lot of practice. I uh-huh. always would get a headache, but eventually I was just like, <laughs> I'm cured. <laughs> no headache. I do what you gotta do, man. Now I probably yeah. shouldn't. If I if I would have sat out longer, I probably would have got my memory back. But you know what? It is what it is. Yeah, you're afraid you're like, yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry to cut you off there. Um, <laughs> so um, going on, I just want to talk about. Did you have any other? That seemed like a challenge that you kind of you know early, very early on. But any other challenges that you experienced? Um, being a student athlete, you know, also the academics, you know, with the traveling, you know, with teams sometimes two, three days in a row or, you know, you have a conference tournament or something like that, or can't go home for the holiday because there's a, there's a, t- a tournament that you're going to kind of uh, speak to some of those uh, challenges. If you had any, if you didn't have oh, any. Oh, we, we had challenges, honey. So <laughs> number one, I think one major challenge that a lot of black athletes go through is the financial challenge. My dad could not, 
afford to send me any money. Okay. <laughs> so like once my points ran out at the calf and at Subway or whatever, like it was a wrap after that. Okay. We're eating ramen noodles every time we like missed the calf time. So I was, I was, I was broke a lot. Okay. And I think that a lot of black athletes run into that because they don't have like the family credit card. Like a lot of my white friends did. They didn't have their parents who came, you know, every weekend and did their laundry and brought them snacks and did all those things. I did not have that experience. So I felt like I was in survival mode a lot. Like trying to always figure things out because my dad was a single dad, like, and he was doing, he was doing the best that he could. And he never Mm -hmm. had been in that situation before, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a tough part of, part, part of all of it for me. Um, School was also tough. Like I personally get motion sickness in in the backseat of a car. Uh So like I couldn't do my homework on the bus because it would make me sick. I'm like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how people do that. So I would struggle because I couldn't be the person who did my homework on the bus. We would get back from a trip and I would have to stay up all night and do my homework. However, I had some of the best people as professors, like, ever like some Uh of my professors I still literally talk to right now because they were so much in my corner it was like listen we're gonna do whatever we have to do to like keep these grades up keep everything going so I have really I feel like the professors at Concord were really supportive and it wasn't in a way where they were like trying to hand me a degree or anything I'm smart like it's not like I wasn't failing um but they wanted me to learn the material they wanted me to absorb everything so it was like if I needed a couple extra days to study if we because sometimes we would go on 10 11 hour bus rides for for um so they were definitely super accommodating so Mm -hmm. I still struggle more than I did in in high school I mean it's 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 college high school was like super duper easy for me um but college it's more of like a responsibility thing. Right, like right. School, especially when you have a strict parent, like there was no option for me, like not to go to school, not to do my homework, not to do any of that stuff. <laughs> but once I got to college, I was like, I ain't gotta do none of this stuff. <laughs> I don't even have to go to class. So I had to learn that lesson um, pretty quickly. Um, but outside of those very basic things, um, I did have, we'll call it an injury, um, which was the worst. And it's probably one of the most traumatizing things of my entire life. But um, my senior year, um, we had 10 games left in the season. um, And I was 80 points away from my 1,000 points. And we were playing at Bluefield State, not Bluefield College, and Bluefield State. And I started to feel sick in the middle of the game. Like I, I, I'm not, I was never a person to throw up, but I was like, something is not right. And I kept asking my coach to take me out. But at that point in my career, I played 40 minutes. Like I never came out of the game. No, no, you can't come out of the game. And so literally, like I I had to run off of the court because he wouldn't take me out. Like I literally just had to run straight off. And I like went into the bathroom and I was like projectile vomiting and Uh, I was sick like that for like three weeks two it was it was probably two weeks two weeks straight where my body just like I couldn't digest anything I felt like I had like a knife in my stomach it was like so weird so I lost like I lost like 15 and 20 pounds like that. The craziest part of all of it all is during that two, two to three week period. It was 21 days. I remember now it was 21 uh-huh. days. During that 21 days where I wasn't eating, I was constantly throwing up. Um, 
I played the entire time. Wow. I played the entire time. And it's crazy because I would never, looking back on it, I'm like, how did y'all let me do that? I would, right. you know, but I played the entire time. It got to the point where my coach would let me sleep during practice. And like, then they would like wake me up to do walkthroughs. Um, I would like oh take a nap goodness. at halftime because I wasn't eating. So like I had like no energy yeah. whatsoever. Um but eventually it got really bad and the doctors, it took them the whole 21 days to figure out what was wrong. The entire time they were saying that I had a stomach virus and I'm mm-hmm. like, stomach viruses don't last 21 days. Right. And finally one weekend I went home to go to one of my sister's basketball games and my dad got to see me and he like really see me and was like, we're going to the emergency room. Enough is enough. So we go to the emergency room and we find out that I had a blood clot in my kidney and, oh my god. Yeah, I had a blood I had a blood clot in my kidney, but at the same time, which this is really common for women, but I had also had cysts on my ovaries, which uh-huh. is really common in my family. It's, uh-huh. it's normally they pass on their own, but my body, you know, playing a high level sport, having yeah. you're a doctor, you already yeah. know. <laughs> my body was just like freaking out. So, but that uh-huh. I had a blood clot in my kidney. We still technically don't know where it came from. We believe it was from birth control, but mm-hmm. the tests proved that it wasn't hereditary. So pretty much they were like, that's the only guess we have. We yeah. can't confirm it, but we think that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I could not play for the rest of the season because I had to go in blood thinners. And up until that point, yeah, up until that point, I didn't realize until that moment, but I literally did, had no identity out of Sierra, the basketball player. I wow. was nothing more and nothing less than Sierra's basketball player. And when they took that away from me, I was like, what am I supposed to do now? I realized that I never thought past that that moment. I never even expected or wanted to play pro either. So it was uh-huh. mind blowing to me that I was like living in, just in the moment like that. But I got really, really, really depressed. Uh-huh. And I gained like forty five pounds, like in the like that. Like one day I like woke up just couldn't look in the mirror anymore. So I got depressed. Emotional eating like through the roof it was it was traumatizing to have to watch the rest of the season from the sidelines I mean mainly because we were losing I couldn't like uh, I couldn't, you know, yeah. it drove me crazy because a lot of the games I'm like I know that if I could play we wouldn't have lost uh-huh. and like, I just like really really struggled so I gained 45 pounds really really depressed um I also realized that I did not know anything about health Mm-hmm. Like I did not know anything about nutrition. I didn't know anything about nothing because up until that point, I never had to think about it because I was so active. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my life got completely, completely turned upside down in a moment. And it took a long time for me to, to pull myself like out of that darkness. And it kind of for a long time, completely ruined my college experience altogether. Because oh, when I thought about it, all I could think about was like, well, I didn't score my thousand points. Mm-hmm. I only had 80 points to go. Like that really like stuck with me for a long time. And it right. was kind of hard to, to remember the good stuff because the bad stuff was just so traumatizing. Like mm-hmm. the, the doctor that I had to go see every two weeks for, to, for the care for my blood clot was three and a half hours away. 
So I was having to drive sometimes by myself three and a half hours to the doctor because it was really rare that I was 21. It was in my kidney. Like that was rare. Um, And for a certain period of time before they figured out that it was probably from birth control, they had to rule out that it wasn't cancer. So I was having to go to the oncologist. So it was just a lot. And I'm just I'm just a basketball player, bro. Like, I don't know how to deal with any of this. And I I also realized that I I had parents that like didn't really honor emotions. Like, like I I never had a voice as a kid. And, but my, it's because my dad never had a voice. He grew up in a family where you just shut up and you just do what you're told. You don't have an opinion. Like you are a child, don't have emotions, suck it up, stop crying. So also didn't feel supported because I grew up like uh-huh. emotions are bad. So it was just, mm-hmm. it was a whole, it was a whole thing. It, it was a wow. whole so, thing. So, so, so how did you over it? So like, I mean, that just seemed like a lot. Like I'm just trying to really take it in myself. Like, oh my gosh. So like yeah. one thing that you said was that because you identified, you identified as a, as an athlete, so you're the, the ball player, like, you mm-hmm. know, you were the hooper, you were mm-hmm. probably the, the face of the team, you know, you know, for your, your junior senior year. And then to be told that, you can't finish out the season. You're short from getting a milestone that rarely people get a thousand points. And it's like, that's, that's rare. So like, and then you said you, you gained weight. You're just eating. I mean, like I said, so many questions, but like, I just like, how did you overcome like just that? Because you say also from the social support from like family, like your dad, you know, he's like, we don't show emotion. Like we're, yeah. you just do it. You don't, you know, and like, how did you, did you have a counselor? Did you have, did you go, did you go to a therapy while you were in school? Did your coach kind of console you? Like, I just have a, bu- a bunch of questions, but I just want to start there. Like, like, how did you overcome that? Cause that's a lot. That's a lot. And the response, unfortunately, is, is, is complex because, um, you know, it took, I, I, I didn't handle it well. Like, and it took me a really long time. And basically what happened was, is, is once I gained all of that weight. It created like really severe body image issues for me because I literally like had abs as, as a kid, you know what I'm saying? So to, to be, you know, 200 pounds, like it, like it, I didn't even recognize myself anymore. Like I did, couldn't, didn't recognize my face anymore. So like the body image issues, like kind of took over and I became really, really, really obsessed with losing weight. And so instead of dealing with my actual emotions, I just poured all of my energy and time into trying to lose weight. So over-exercising, chronic dieting, everything that you can think of. I tried it, the pills, every diet, everything, weight watch. I tried everything and I was able to lose, lose the weight now. Like I, I did. And I would not do what I do now if I didn't go through that period of time. So I make it sound negative, but I thank God all the time for that experience because I would not have my business now for, if I didn't have that darkness, because that darkness took me to a place where I succumbed to a lot of the really harmful and dangerous um, beliefs of diet culture. So being obsessed with thinness, using all of the crazy, severe um, approaches to try to be small again. And even once I got small again, I still hated what I looked like. I still thought I was fat. And that's the experience for most women at that point. So for me, I think a really pivotal moment for me was when I actually lost weight and I kind of looked at myself and I was like, 
oh my God, like I thought this was going to be the answer. Like I thought this was going to be the thing that made me feel better, but I feel worse because I worked so hard and I still don't like the way I look. I still don't like the way that I feel. And I was sharing my journey kind of publicly on social media. And then that's kind of when I first started to share. And I was like putting posturing for everyone. Like, look at me, I'm the all-star, but really I'm like, I'm still like covering up certain parts of my body. Like I'm still covering up my stomach. At, at that point I had abs and I still was like trying to cover myself up because I felt fat. But that moment was huge for me because I realized like, oh snap, like we have things under the surface that we have to deal with. But also I, even though this is all happening in a super unhealthy way, I really like this health and wellness stuff. Like this stuff is like, this is mad interesting to me. Oh, people really enjoy hearing my story. Oh, I'm kind of good at sharing my story. I'm kind of good at sharing what I'm doing. And it was like that moment that I realized like, maybe this is what God wants me to do. And I initially shared it in all of my super unhealthy diet culture approaches. That's how it all started. But once I navigated my way through that, I learned a lot about food psychology. I learned a lot about nourishment. I learned a lot about recovery and balance um, and got different certifications. I realized like, this is not about weight at all, man. Like this is not about weight at all. This is about joy and peace and freedom. And like, I'm really good at talking about that. And the rest is history. So all those really crazy bad things happen. But I realized that A, like this is my purpose. Like this is what God gifted me to do. But I also realized that there were not a lot of black women who did that, who talked yeah. about it. I realized that everybody that I looked up to, the podcast I listened to, um, the people that I learned from were white. So I was right. like, you know what? We need somebody to talk to us about these things. Right. And so that, that piece of it opened up for me. And now I'm a wellness coach that beautiful. helps black women. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, I mean, God will take you through, you know, something that he knows that you can carry but to bring you out into your purpose because yeah. a lot of people live, but we don't find what we're truly on this earth mm-hmm. to do, you know, and then reaching that highest level of that, I think is also key. So thank you very much for, uh, for, for, for sharing. Absolutely. Um, just to kind of keep us, keep us going here. If you can kind of um, share, and you might've already touched on it, but just want to give an opportunity to, to kind of share, what would you say would be like your, your most like, embarrassing moment as like a student athlete whether you know high school college AAU that you're like man I don't want to go back there and and in that moment how did you kind of overcome and kind of bounce back uh I got one okay I do have (laughs) in high school like I said we were we were good but we were never state champions because we had this nemesis that we would always lose to at state. Like my senior year, we were runner up. Okay. Uh-huh. We would we would go the whole season, never lose a game, only lose to them. Okay. Winfield for, for anybody uh-huh. from West Virginia that's listening. <laughs> and um we were playing them at home. And the best player, which is insane that I guarded her because I was a post player. She was the point guard. I used to guard the point guard guard all the time, but um she hit a, a we were winning, okay, 
we we were we were about to win, okay? So the state championship, right? This is, this no, no, no. This is not. This is just a regular. This is just a regular. Oh, okay, regular. Okay. This is regular. Well, you know what? I have two stories. Thank you for bringing that. <laughs> and it's the same team. So I missed a free throw, okay? That could that could have put us ahead by three, okay? Mm-hmm. But we were up by two, okay? Uh-huh. Then the next possession, the clock is running out. I missed a free throw. Then she hits like a half court buzzer beater shot, like in my face. Like this. Oh man. And she oh man. And they won. And my coach, who is a much better person now than he was back then. Like uh-huh. I love Coach Ryan now. Th- there was definitely some things that happened at, that we were kids. I know he would never do now, but literally right, right. he took that recording of, of that game and he gave it to me on a VHS and told me to take it home and watch it over and over and over again until I learned my lesson. What? Yeah. So, so he said, here, take it home and watch it until you learn. Mm-hmm. Wow. Was he like re- referring to the free throw or just the, I mean, oh, I mean it sounded like the, the both of them. The, the, it all. It was my fault. He and I, it, I, it was punishment because it, it, we lost and it was my fault. Wow. And obviously that's traumatizing. But speaking of oh, the yeah. same team, um, we played them in the state championship that same year. Mm-hmm. And um. God, I forgot all about this. You really did. Yeah, I started to bring up on this. <laughs> <laughs> but we, um, I, I I was known to foul a little bit, okay? Uh-huh. I'm a nice person, but I'm like, I have an alter ego on the court. You know how <laughs> Beyonce has Sasha Fierce? Like, like I, I, I would be ready to fight on, on the court. I, I'm right, not right. like anything like that in person, uh-huh. but I was I was definitely a little, little spicy on the court. Yeah. And so I always ended the game with four fouls every now and then I would end it with five yeah <laughs> um but I fouled out of the game um it was either at the let me finish at the it was either at the end of the third quarter or the beginning of the it was the beginning of the fourth uh-huh. because I thought that I only had three fouls <sighs> so I had to sit on the bench for the it for the rest of the fourth quarter and watch us lose uh in states right this, in, in this state, state. state championship game man that got oh man and we are pretty good and like, it was a dumb know? foul it wasn't even like it wasn't yeah, even yeah. like work you know because yeah. I, really, I didn't think I, like and granted i should never intentionally try to foul but if you have four fouls you're going to be cautious you right, know what right, I'm saying? Right, right, right. but i thought that i i thought that i only had three so i i'll never forget it because they obviously stopped the game because i didn't out and i'm like Looking around, like, yeah. who? <gasps> Me? Listen, I was on that bench, bawling my eyes out. I cried for the rest of my game. The game, I was inconsolable. It was horrible. Oh, my God. I'm sure Coach was probably pissed. Yeah, probably. he was. But yeah, then he eventually, he felt But He, I mean, he he was mad. But he eventually yeah. came around. Um, yeah. But, yeah, that's, those okay. are my two most Yeah, those are, those are something. I got good ones. Yeah. So lead me into my next question. So what are some of the most like great achievements or awards that you received as a student athlete, whether it's academically or athletically that you're like, man, you know, I remember that I was part of that moment. That was me. I earned that. Um, so I was the, I was the first person in my family to graduate college. Um, so that was, that was, I was like first generation graduate. That was cool. My dad was very (laughs) proud of me. Um, basketball wise um I I think when I scored 40 points was cool it was really cool mainly because 
Um, I, my dad had made a bet bet with me that if I scored 40 points, I could get a cell phone. That's how the cell phone came oh, in. Okay, okay. Okay. So he made, he was like, if you score 40 points, that then you can get a phone. Now, I think in his mind, he said that because he didn't think I was going to score 40 points, but uh-huh. I did. I made uh-huh. 16 free throws that game. Okay. I got my 40 points. Okay. Uh-huh. Now the downfall to it is because I scored my 40 some points. I, I had a double, double that game. I come uh-huh. out of the game. I'm like, yeah, dad, I'm getting myself out. He's like, yeah, but you missed some free throws. Oh, that's the kind of strict dad that I had. Okay? Oh. That's the kind of strict dad that I had. So that was a cool moment. That was a cool moment. Because yeah. it was also against Woodrow, which is like, you know, the team that's kind of like 45 minutes away from us. It's, the, yeah. it's they were also all, all black too. So uh-huh. for years, like we didn't even play each other, but like we got, finally got to play each other. And then I dropped 40. And actually one of the girls from that team ended up being my teammate in college oh. and my roommate in college yeah really? yeah nice yeah um, nice. nice that was a cool moment I think other than that too um my junior year I guess it would have been no it would have been my sophomore year my team I don't remember which year it's been a long time uh-huh. but whichever year it was my team was the first team to make it back to the state tournament in like a decade because we had the state championship team in our region so they would, we would lose to them in a tight game in regionals, and then they would go off and win a state championship. Yeah. Um, and that's how everything was. It's it's stru- structured different now, but back then, uh-huh. like that, that would keep, hold us up. So that our school had won all kinds of state championships, but it had been a really, really long time since we had won because we had that state championship team in our region. We were always the second best team. Uh-huh. Um, but we would always lose there. So my my team was like the first team to make it back to states. And how many every years? It was a lot of years. I don't think it was yeah. ten, but it was like a lot of years. I think maybe yeah. like five or six. Yeah, yeah. I mean, especially having a coach that won coach of the year for the mm-hmm. for, for what the Eastern Region. You said yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. You always had a good team. Yeah. So and you know what else? I also scored fifteen hundred points in two years. 1500 that's yeah that's in my high school in high school i did and nice. you know i never, I never haven't thought about that since then but i scored all of my thousand i mean because i i wasn't good my freshman or sophomore uh-huh. year, but uh-huh. i came came out my junior senior year and i said <laughs> let's go oh, so yeah. yeah i scored and i think i ended up with, with around 1500 points and it was just in my junior and senior year nice 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 congrats congrats all right so we all know hindsight is 2020, and it sounds like you had a pretty incredible high school journey and college journey. But if we could, if you could go back to high school or even college, what are some things that you would you know like do differently? Like, or what would you have changed? Um, so I touched on uh, my high school coach and how things were like a lot of things that happened when I was a kid would not happen now. Like he might have lost his job, like if, <laughs> you know, if it was twenty twenty one, you know what I'm right, saying. Right. Um, but we didn't have social media then, and also it was like normal for coaches to treat kids. However, uh, but yeah. looking back on that, I went through a lot as a kid. You know, you probably heard a lot of Katana stories. Me and Katana stories very similar. We grew up together our entire lives, like from birth. <laughs> Our moms were best friends. Mm-hmm. And so we both went through a lot in our personal lives as kids. So I already was like a very anxious kid because mm-hmm. I was going through a lot of traumatic stuff at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I really 
let the combination of home and like the pressure of basketball make me like a very very anxious person like before <laughs> the games I would like pat my foot like so hard and because I would be so anxious and my coach it would drive my coach crazy he would like put his hand on my leg to stop me but I literally like looking back on it it was like anxiety it was real anxiety and looking back on it if I could do anything different I think that I would have Talk to my dad. Now, granted, my dad wouldn't done nothing. <laughs> because anxiety to this day right now probably isn't a real thing to him. But I think I would have maybe talked to my counselor at school or somebody yep. to try to get help because that anxiety blossomed. I don't blossom is a little bit too positive a word, but it like transformed into like this obsession with people pleasing and winning and basketball at some point wasn't as fun as it used to be because I took it so serious it was like life or death and I think that if maybe I had gotten some help with anxiety back then and managed my managing my stress and resting more um I think that I would have enjoyed it more than I did at certain points in college I always enjoyed it because I like to win but my little sister who's two years younger than me Listen, she had a ball because she did not care. Had like she literally would like joke around and warm ups, like always laughing, always being crazy. She was like a team clown. I was wound up, honey. We would argue, we would fight because I'm like in my mind, I'm like we can't lose. Like I have to score this many points. These things have to happen because like I can't handle it if it does not happen that way. And that type of of thinking definitely crossed over into my adult life. And it really all started with basketball because it was a lot of stressors. It it was a lot for anybody to deal with. I, I would go from having something really crazy happened at home I mean full transparency I grew up very poor so like I might not have had like water at home but then I would have I would go to practice and have to just act like nothing is going on right. and my coach knew a lot of what was going on in my personal life and sometimes he did a good job of like taking me into his office and like letting me have like my my a moment or whatever mm-hmm. but there were definitely times especially my my freshman and sophomore year when I was not really playing I was do playing JV uh-huh. that, like, there were definitely some practices that I could have missed like th- like definitely some practices that, that I could have missed in in uh-huh. right so I would have been help. I would have been honest about how sometimes my chest would get so tight that I feel like I could not breathe. Yeah. Like, you know, like that's how bad the anxiety was. Right. But to me, because of the conversations and because of the way my coach would treat me when he would see me tapping my legs and stuff like uh-huh. that, it, to me, it was weakness. Uh-huh. So I, couldn't, I, I wasn't going to talk about it because I'm weak because coming into these situations I'm not just like cool as a cucumber it's like no like you don't even know where your mom is right now (laughs) like you literally don't even know where your mom is like you literally don't even know what you're going walking into when you go home like an adult would have anxiety right right that's oh my god that's a lot for a high schooler to go through day after day after day and you said there's a counselor on campus but you didn't you didn't you know go to the counselor or there, or maybe they weren't really worth anything if you did go, but they 
ain't dealt with scholarships. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I did see a therapist at, at one point for like a couple of sessions, I think when I was in high school, but it was for legal reasons. Like we had like custody things and like that going on. So it was more of like a, a formality thing. Um, but I just wish that I, I would have been more honest. I wish I wish I had somebody who like could have told me like, you know, like kids now, like they get treated for anxiety. Like, yeah. you know what I'm, I'm like, yeah. and it, I wish that I knew somebody who was open about their mental health that made me feel comfortable enough to be like, sometimes I feel like I can't breathe and I don't think that that is normal. And I really would like somebody to help me. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So, I mean, like the kids today, you know, they definitely get treated for it. There's people on campus, you know, you speak to or your coaches or, you know, some people don't have family, but you have friends or parents of your friend you can like reach out to them and speak mm-hmm. to them hopefully someone kind of hear your cry sometimes you may not be saying it out loud but they can kind of I mean you kind of sense someone who's like you know that needs help so mm-hmm. so thank you for being you know open and for being transparent and I'm sharing that so um, this leads me to like the it's, it's kind of like our our scale up moment of the mm-hmm. of the session so what what type of gems or like advice would you give to like if you're speaking to like a young middle school girl or high school girl that is trying to you know play whether it's soccer volleyball swimming basketball like what advice would you give them to kind of like scale up to you know use their potential you know find their their purpose and to use the sport that they're playing I and mean, if they're an athlete use that sport don't let the sport use you like that's that's kind of my little motto like you know for you, you use sports, you know, you went to college, they paid for your school, first you graduated from your college, mm-hmm. kudos to you. So kind of speak to like any gyms you like to give to the, to the young athletes. Mm-hmm. So I think my advice is, is going to be surprising for some people. Um, but my, I think my advice is going to be don't take it too serious. Like, do not take it too serious. You do not have, it does not, ha- you can, you can work hard and also not view it as life and death. And I think that a, a lot of kids put so much pressure on themselves because they view things like finances, scholarship. Th- those are adult problems. Those are, those are the problems of our parents. Granted, when we go to school, they will become our, our loans. And I, and I get that. <laughs> And I get that. And, and all of that is, is it's important. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of people who have taken loans out, who have got grants, who have figured out a way without playing sport. Um, now, the reason I say don't take it too serious is because I'm a firm believer that the less pressure you put on yourself and the more authentic you are and you just like flow through it, like you will like in every situation, you're going to blossom into like your true, like best self. And I think the same thing will happen if you do that as an athlete. And that's one of the reasons why I wish so bad that I didn't take it serious because when you are taking something that serious, you kind of take on, um, you kind of take on the image of the people around you that like resemble what you think is going to get you to that place that you feel like you have to be at. Um, and you kind of become a chameleon and you know you're mocking the athletes that you see on tv you hear people talk about no days off this no days off that and it's just like I wish that I mean my dad didn't know any better but Mm -hmm. I just wish I really had somebody who was like be yourself Sierra Mm -hmm. 
Like that's your best bet. Like things will happen like much easier for you if you just flow and be yourself and do what you want to do. I want to still play basketball. That was what I wanted to do, but I would have done it in a different way. And I think that if I had not taken it so seriously and I had relaxed and I had flowed through it, I think a lot of my interests that I developed at an older age, I would have developed them younger. But when you take things that serious at that age, you have no space for anything else. And that's why once I got sick like that my senior year, I was like, I don't know who I am. And that's a real question. I did not even know what I liked past basketball. I have music that I like and things like that. But hobbies? What are hobbies? (laughs) You know? I didn't have no hobbies. Right, right, right. Yeah, don't take it too seriously. Flow into it. If you are a spiritual person, like invite God into every step of it. Like let like I hate that we take God out of those types of decisions a lot of times. Anything that has to do with our a lot of times with um, you know, even weight loss or trying to improve or athletics, like those I think those things aren't God things. Like where you go to school is like a part of your purpose and it's a part of your journey and God should be the center of it and he right. should he should be leading it. And I think that if when you flow, like that's what you're doing. Like uh-huh. you're, you're, like you're being led. But if you're taking it so serious that you that you're so stuck on your outcome. Because you can't see any other outcome, uh-huh. you, can't be, you can't be led and you can't flow. Right, right, right. Thank you. Oh, that was amazing. That was amazing. Thanks for sharing. And just kind of want to do a quick, a, a quick pivot here. Just so I don't know much about it. I'm not sure if you know, but I just wanted to kind of pick your brain on, you know, nowadays athletes can get paid for their likeness. I think this is still a new, you know, uh, territory that we're trading here, but just kind of want to get your thoughts about it because you know you were happy before mm-hmm. you know back then we weren't getting paid you know like you yeah. said sometimes your calf money will run low and you're like what's next what i'm going to do now they can go and you know maybe sign some autographs or just mm-hmm. get paid you know and i'm reading stuff about people signing million dollar deals and there's a new i think there's a new facility here in atlanta where yeah. 16 year olds can like play like 24 16 year olds and you know they're going to pay towards college i mean so it's so much, the game is just changing, right? So I just want to, want to pick your brain and kind of see your thoughts about it and kind of hear from you. So I absolutely think that um, athletes should get paid. Like mm-hmm. for me, not so much people who go to small, smaller schools. I would have appreciated the money, but uh-huh. I think a lot of times oh, for, especially in, in women's sports, the school is losing money. Like they're not really gaining a lot of money from women's sports. That's a lot of different reasons. And that would take a whole different other episode to unpack. Right, 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 right. But I can understand why at this point, you know, women at, at smaller schools and even men's sports at a lot of smaller schools um, don't get paid. But at bigger schools, it is modern day slavery. And it, it now it's better now, but it would make me sick. Like, to sit at University of Georgia games, to sit at, you know, different games and like watch these kids. Now they get paid now. But when I think about sitting at these games and watching them work like this and see like these tens of thousands of people in these stands, see how much they're charging me for concessions. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you you know that you are sitting in the presence of of, of millions of dollars. And to think at some point, these kids that are down there sacrificing their lives 
I hate when people talk about student athletes, like, like playing a sport is a privilege. It is a privilege, but you also are absolutely sacrificing your life. You are sacrificing yeah. your time. And especially yeah. as an athlete who plans to be a professional athlete, like the kids at these big division one schools, like you are literally risking millions of dollars for your family to continue <laughs> to play at that school. Right. Yes, they should. Right. Absolutely. I'm glad that they're getting paid now, yeah. especially, you know, with the ability to monetize your following now. Um, I think that it would be I think that was the, that might, might have been the worst part to me. How can you tell me that I spend all of my free time on my YouTube channel, on my mm-hmm. Instagram, and you tell me that I can't make money off of what I'm doing outside of my sport? Yeah, that, yeah, that was, that was, that was crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think that, I think the current athletes of today are in really, really good positions. Um, You know, they're going to have opportunity to make money that they absolutely deserve. They absolutely deserve, but they also can create platforms like while they're in school (laughs) that A, will also support them, but B, could be, could serve as leverage for when they're done with their careers and they want to do other things. I'm very jealous uh, okay. uh, yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> I'm you jealous. And me both. You and me both. Right. Right. Like these right. kids know things about social media that it's ta- it's taken me ten years of being on social media to learn. Mm-hmm. Like, right. and you know, I'm jealous. Yeah. They got it made. And yeah. the funny part of it all is that when we were that age, like social media was a bad thing. I remember like um, coaches with my my high school coach would literally tell me like I need to delete Facebook, I need to delete I need to delete Twitter, Instagram because college coaches were like using what is on your Instagram and Facebook against, against you. Yeah, you know, yeah. but it's that and that was a thing then, but I don't think it's as big of a thing now. But yeah. it's like really you're missing out opportunities to connect with people all across the country yeah like, so these kids got it made yeah these they do they pay do. them their money uh, yeah yeah i concur with that definitely agree so i think you touched on it but i just want to kind of make sure that I, I do ask this question so you didn't have any aspirations to play ball beyond college mm-hmm. or even after the time you had to sit out for your last um, parts of your senior year you didn't even try to go play ball like wnba or exposure camps to go overseas like um Nothing I, was really sick. No, I, I was I was sick for a long time after that like okay, it wasn't so- it wasn't like a situation where I got to take blood thinners for like a couple weeks or something I, I was on blood thinners for like seven months and like they were saying that I was gonna have to that's a whole nother story they were saying because they didn't know exactly how I got it that they were recommending that I stay on it forever because it technically could be you know hereditary or whatever and I prayed about it in church one day and I felt like God was telling me that I didn't have to take it anymore so I just stopped and I never went back to the doctor and I don't recommend that for everybody okay like it was crazy my dad was <laughs> My dad was like very, very, very mad at me for like a really long time about it. But the idea of it felt like prison. My dad like literally wouldn't let me even like shoot basketball in the backyard. Like he made me like drive like a grandma because, you know, he was afraid that like if I barely got tapped on the head that I was going to like to to bleed to death. Yeah. Which was a valid thing because mm-hmm. I got a few paper cuts that like almost took me out. So yeah I just stopped I just stopped I just I just literally stopped taking it 
Yeah. And you're and, and you've been good ever since. Haven't had any issues whatsoever. No, knock on wood, praise knock on God. all the wood. Praise, praise, um, praise, praise yeah. God. Praise but God. it's been yes. um it's been over a decade. Wow. Really weird. I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's been over a decade and we are we're yes. we're still healthy. All right. So we're pretty much wrapping up here. So that's what I want to kind of opportunity to kind of share what you're up to these days what do you have going on or you, what you want to share with those who tuned in to scale today well i um like we had talked a little bit ab- about earlier i am a wellness coach and mm-hmm. i have one of these crazy things people call an online pro- platform it's it's it ain't nothing crazy okay it's a couple thousand people um but it's a couple thousand beautiful black women um who are looking to do this whole health health and wellness thing in a sustainable way like really getting rid of a lot of the diet culture things that you know we've been taught especially as women from like a very very young age and doing things in a way that is like supportive of our mental health our spiritual health health, just all around well-being. Um, and that's my life. I have I'm full-time in business doing that. I have been for probably two years, um, full-time and then part-time for probably two years before that. And it's literally my life's work. It is my favorite thing in the world. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at I am melanin, like melanin well, W-E-L-L. Um, and that's where you can, that's, that's the best place to find me at. I post five or six times a week by the grace of God, like the hardest job I've ever had. <laughs> but yeah, that 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 is what I am up to. And we are in the process of a lot of different projects. I have, mm-hmm. um, I currently have a six month transformational coaching program where I work with black women in groups and one-on-one. Um, but we are currently working on um, a membership um, so I can work with people who can't, uh, can't afford a full coaching program. So this time next year, if we have a conversation, I'm going to be like, we were able to help thousands of women. Yes, we're, we're expanding a little bit. That's amazing. That's amazing. I'm so happy that you're able to find your, your, your purpose. And you say you enjoy what you do. You wake up, yeah. you know, yes, work, it's a lot of work, but you enjoy it. It's something that gives you joy and peace mm-hmm. and you're also helping others, you know, helping other beautiful women out there to, mm-hmm. to you know, get their health in, in, in order. And I tell people all, all the time, you know, health, I mean, it sounds cliche, I mean, but health is well, you know, because mm-hmm. if we're not healthy and, and, yeah, we pray for old age, but you, you don't want to be old, popping pills all hours of the night and can't eat this, can't eat that, got to go to the doctor. Like, you want to be healthy, you know, and it starts with, with within, you know, start with what, what we're eating and, you know, things yeah. that we do and sleeping, like, all these play a part and I know you're an expert in it so so yeah I mean for me as a coach what I teach a lot it it starts with God I think and everybody has different beliefs but I mean for me I work with other women of Christian faith and Mm -hmm. like I was talking about earlier you know we leave God out of a lot of things like there are certain things we pray about and certain things that we don't pray about and our general everyday health and wellness is not something we pray about we pray about the disease uh-huh. Like we, you know, we pray once it gets too far along, but uh-huh. like when we make the decision to go on, on a diet, we don't, we don't take that up to God. We don't ask uh-huh. him if like, you know, like, is this what you want for my life right now? And yeah. what I found for a lot of people is we allow weight and we allow diets to really kind of become an idol and really take the place of where, where God is supposed to be in our lives. So for me uh-huh. in my program, you know, purpose 
and God is like that foundation. And it's like this reciprocating relationship. Like your health and wellness supports your purpose. You're in your, you know, and your purpose gives value to your health and wellness. So they, those things are reciprocating. They feed off of each other and they give you the motivation that everybody is always talking about. I really don't think motivation exists. Like you have to find true value in those things. And when you view it that way, man, you don't need, you don't need motivation because yes. you know that you need to be your best self to do what God is trying to do in your life in this season. Right, right, right. And that's a word right there. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And, and as we wrap up, this is it. I just want to give you all have any final thoughts or thing that you want to share, something that we didn't talk about that you wanted to share today. Um, this is your time to, you know, open floor. Okay. So I, I, I love to give people praise. Okay. I think that people aren't, I think people allow their egos like not to give people praise. I want to give you praise because I have known you since, you know, you was just a little baby. Like we were just babies, you know? And if you could, if you would have told me that you, okay, were going to grow up to be like this passionate doctor, husband, I, that was not crossing my mind. Not to say that I didn't think you weren't awesome. I thought right. you were awesome. But to see you do that and be like this like awesome, amazing example um, for people who look like you and to be giving back to this particular community that there's not enough people talking about what you're talking about. Like, I know how hard it is to like follow that calling like we make it look real fun and cool but it means it means a lot to you so it's a lot harder just to like let go and just put things out there because it means a lot and it feels heavy so I I love it I think it's great I'm so excited to see this grow because a fun fact is is that when I launched I rebranded it's almost three years ago now after I think about it. But I rebranded to Melanin Well. The way that I launched the rebrand is I did this these series of blog posts, which I don't <laughs> blog anymore, but back then I did. And I did these series of blog posts where I told five different stories about like my life growing up as like a, a black woman. And one of the most popular and main stories that I told was my story as a student athlete and not having any identity. And I really, when, when I like sent you a message after you made the announcement, that's what I thought yeah. about. It's like, I haven't talked about that ever since that moment. Uh -huh. So it's been really cool to talk about it because it's really again it's the foundation it's the yeah. starting point for for all for all of this so so thank you this has been therapeutic for me yeah thank, I mean thank you so much for the praise I really really appreciate it and, and and you're right it's something that I've been wanting to do for years like I had it in my notebook since like 2017 I'm like okay let me get through school you know what I'm saying then I got married then I had a daughter and so. So more things happen. Oh yeah, you were a dad too, bro. You yeah. were killing it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So it's just something that I just feel like, man, like it needs to be getting out there. People's stories and talking about mental health and things that are not, you know, you know, like things that are, are taboo to talk about. We need to open up and, and be vulnerable. You know, let people learn from our mistakes. Like like a wise man and woman had told me be, before, a smart person learns from their mistake, a wise person learns from mistakes of other people. So why not can we come on here and share our stories and our journey so that the younger generation can kind of learn from us and hopefully make a better path for themselves, you know? So thank you so much. And I'm happy that you're also following me your purpose and you're doing what you love and enjoy. Mm -hmm. So 
Um, definitely kudos to you. And thanks again for your time. I truly, truly appreciate it. You've been amazing. Oh, you have. And let me know how I can support anytime I do any type of interviews on anything. I like love to share it. So I'm here. I'm here for this, for this train. I want to help you. you along. Thank you so much. I truly, truly appreciate it. God bless. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Scale, Sports, Knowledge, and Life, a space where we empower student athletes. Please like, share, follow, and subscribe.